welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. So good morning once again. Welcome to Amazing Love on this, our picnic day. I'm hoping my emotions can match the excitement of all that is going on. And uh, you may have been watching the Olympics. How many of you are going to be sad that the Olympics are finally closing up? How many of you are excited so you can actually watch something else? <laughs> yeah, I'm probably more on this. And anyway, um, and, and I have some observations about the Olympics. And, and this year, for whatever reason, instead of being drawn to the big names like Usain Bolt or Michael Phelps or Katie Ledecky, for whatever reason, this year I really was struck by all the other people. And here's what I mean. Yeah, let me give you an example of a finish. Here's the finish line. And so we're going to know the names of a few, those who finished in first, second, or third. But, but we're never going to know her name, right? We're not going to know the country she's from. She's not going to make the news headlines. And it just strikes me that, that from winning a gold and, and being famous or not being known at all is just a matter of seconds. It's just incredible. Or I'm drawn to the runners-up, my friends, or like the guy from Puerto Rico. There was this, this hurdler in the 400 hurdles, and, and, um, and, and here's a picture of him. He's from Puerto Rico. His name is Javier Colson. I don't know if you saw this, but they were running the race, and the gun went off. You know what happened? False start. False start. You know what happens if you get a false start? You're out. That is like the most disheartening thing. So can you imagine this dude eats right? This dude trains every day and only for to again have a false start and be disqualified. Oh my goodness. So, so I felt bad for him. I'm like, and now I'm, I feel even bad because I'm drawing your attention. But to have the man just bawling on TV, it just... And here's, I guess, where I'm going with this in my observation. I wonder if, if there's any of this emotion, you know, was it worth it? <laughs> 
Was it worth it for me to train for however many years and, and not eat, you know, the, the bad things and to, to keep pressing on and pressing on? Was it worth it if no one's going to know my name or if I'm going to get disqualified or I'm going to be beaten by milliseconds? Was it worth it? So here's to you all runners up and the names we'll never know behind the names we do know and um, go from there. But, but transition with me. The reason I bring this up is because sometimes I think in our walk with God, if you call yourself a Christian... You have these moments or you have these areas in that walk and you just kind of ask, is it worth it? I mean, we don't say this at church because, again, we're being friendly and happy, but, but, but maybe you've had a moment of, of levity where you just looked inside yourself and you've had this moment. Is, I don't know where it came from, but you just asked, was, was it worth it? Well, I want to hone in on one specific part of your walk with God if you call yourself a Christian. And, and, and that specific part is something we called Prayer. See, prayer is something pretty amazing. Prayer is the access we have to the throne room of God. Prayer unleashes God's almighty power into our lives. Prayer is how we get this communication relationship. Communication, I just said that. Anyway, it's how we get this thing going right. We know that if, if you want to have a good relationship with anyone, you've got to communicate. So we've got to hear from God, and then he has to hear from us, and that's all what leads to a good relationship. But have you ever had the experience where you prayed and you even pleaded? Maybe there were some tears and you're like, God, are you on the other side? God, what, what, what is going on? God, I, I prayed for this and I wanted this to happen and it didn't. And maybe that experience got you into a fatalistic outlook on life and maybe you had a moment in life where you just said, well, God's going to do what he's going to do anyway, so why even bother praying? If you've ever felt that way, this is the sermon for you. If you've ever asked, what's the worth of prayer and what's the worth of going to the throne room of God? Today is the day that I hope you walk out and you pray like never before and you have good reasons why. Today is the day we get to consider what prayer actually does and why we want to just pause and do it more often than not and make it even our first go-to. You ready? All right, turn to your neighbor and say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. So we're going to learn from Abraham, and, and let me uh, get you back into his story. Um, God actually appears to Abraham and says, Abraham, you're 100 years old. You're going to have a baby. Congratulations, Dad. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, Abraham actually laughs. But this was a laugh of awe and wonder. His wife Sarah, who happened to be 89, is going to have a baby at 90. This is crazy. She laughs too, uh, but for all two different reasons. She was cynical. She was like, is this really going to happen? Can that happen? Well, as God is still there, they have a conversation. Abraham is able to speak with God as we're speaking today. And Abraham pleads to God about a certain scenario. And we're going to learn not only from God's heart, but also from Abraham. So let's dive into it. This is a conversation that Abraham has with God. Genesis 18, we'll read the story and then we'll dissect it and apply it. All right. So when the men got up to leave and God is among them, he's among the angels, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them as they, to see them on their way. Being good at ghost, hest. I cannot talk. He was being a good host, everyone. See, I can say it. Wow. Okay. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Abraham will surely become a great nation and a powerful nation, and all nations on earth we bless through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. 
Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sins so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? The Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold to speak, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if there are only 40 found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if there are only 30 that can be found there? He said, if I, if, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. And then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. Reminds me of an auction. 50, 30, 20, 10. And God says, 10 sold. All right. And 10, I believe, are not righteous people who are perfect, but those who believe in the righteous one. As Abraham was credited to righteousness through faith, so those who in faith are also credited to righteousness, those who believe in God. And if there are 10 believers there, it'd be spared. But there's this great dichotomy that we're going to learn from of what's in Abraham's heart and what's in God's heart. May God bless you through this discussion. Have you ever seen an adult try to get down on a child's level and, and speak mano to mano? It's kind of, uh, I think, winsome and charming. When, when you get down on a knee and maybe play puppets or whatnot, and, and that's because sometimes, you know, to really talk to a child, you've got to translate a few items. You've got to use their language. You've got to do what they do and, and get in their eyesight. I think in a lot of cases we need this. We need people to translate things for us. I don't know if you've been in a doctor, and the doctor tells you all these different words that you thought you knew English, but you don't know English, and you're like, please translate. Am I sick or am I good? You know what I'm saying? Or it's that financial guy. A financial guy who's uh, talking about prospectuses and things and like, just tell me where to put my money, please. I had an experience with this recently. I have a brother-in-law who works for Microsoft up in Downers. And uh, his specialty is the cloud. Now, I need some translation to understand the cloud. And I got it for you guys. The cloud is basically servers. Servers, and they're actually located by O'Hare. Servers that uh, need to be powered up and store all that information. And, uh, and that's what the cloud is. So you're welcome for that information. I think this is what God is doing in this lesson. God is basically coming down to Abraham saying, I'm going to approach you eye to eye, mano a mano, so you understand what's going on here. In fact, that's what I see in verse 17 and 20. Look what he does in verse 17. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Or verse 20, then the Lord said, and this was with Abraham, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great. Now, had God decided what he was going to do? Seems that way. Does he really need some counsel on what's going to happen next? No. Does he debate in his mind? You know, all these things, he's letting Abraham in. He's coming down to Abraham's level. We call it, here's a big word, anthropomorphism, which means God doing human things so that humans might relate to him. Do you know God did that for you? Maybe that's the biggest thing. 
God was up in heaven one day saying, how might they know me? How might they relate to me? How would they know how I respond and act and, and what I feel about them? And he sent a son named Jesus, God in flesh, so that moms who have babies could relate to a, a Savior who was a baby once. So that adolescents who sometimes get in trouble could relate to when Jesus was uh, yelled at by his mom. <laughs> Remember that one in the temple. So that adults could say, oh, this is the walk and this is the talk that maybe I should be about. That the Son of God came to serve, not to be served. In fact, it says about Jesus, here it is, that the Son is the image of the invisible God. So if you've ever wanted to know what the invisible God, the Almighty, is like, he came down to our level so we would know him. And here's the first point. God who came to us on our level wants us to know him on his level. The reason parents do this and God does this is so maybe, maybe they would understand what's God all about. So Abraham was going to learn something about the true heart of God. And the first thing Abraham learned as he was led into this conversation is this truth. That God demands justice. He has justice in a way that you haven't even considered. He has perfect justice, my friends. And he demands that every wrong be held accountable, that every wrong be paid for. He demands justice. And it's interesting because we demand justice too, don't we? Consider the debate we had with uh, this fellow. Can you follow this one? <laughs> Sometimes I just get really upset with media. Like, why do we even know this story? Who cares? Anyway, but, but in, in the justice department, at, at the one part of the week, we thought, okay, true justice is for the Brazilian authorities to apologize for not keeping Ryan Lochte safe and, and, and go from there. And the attorney's statement, like, I can't believe this is such a horrible game until now justice seems that Ryan Lochte should just say, I'm sorry, I was a doofus, <laughs> right? Why don't they just say that? Did anyone see the interview with Matt Lauer? Like, why doesn't he just say, I'm sorry, that's it? End of story. Stop grilling him. Anyway, um, but, but we want what true justice is, don't we? There's something in us that craves to know who is actually at fault here. This worked in our own life. Uh, this past week, um, we were in a car accident, or my wife was, and she's okay, and the kids are okay, and that's all good. Um, but, but you never leave a car accident without wanting to know who is at fault, right? You, you don't really sign up if you weren't at fault to say, I'll take it. You know, my insurance company will love me, just, just, you know, it was my fault, you know, it's great. No, no, you want, you want the cop to sort it out so that someone has to, again, take responsibility for who was wrong. We do this with kids. If your kids are being made fun of, if they're being put down, you want justice. Right? This is God. You need to know the God that you follow says that no wrong is okay. No wrong is right if it means hurting people. And that's what he, he saw in Sodom, that their sin was grievous or it was heavy. And here's what you need to know about sin. Here's what it does. You cannot have sin without pain. It's not possible. You, you cannot commit a sin without there being pain. And it could be pain just for you. It could be pain for someone else. It could be pain against the heart of God. But you cannot do this thing called sin without there being pain. And the true God of all, he looks down and he says, that pain is not okay. I am not okay when my children are being hurt. Someone has to pay for this. Someone has to make up for it. I am not okay with what happened. That's a good God. 
In fact, I think we want God to be just. But if he's just, we got a problem. Because we already admitted earlier in the service, we all have sin. And if God is truly just, well then God should punish for our sins. God should hold us accountable. We should live in terror and fear over the justice of God. But that's not why I came today. I hope it's not why you came. So we got to get into the other side of God. Let me show you what else is on his heart. Okay, and to talk about this, um, have you ever just um, been craving to do something? Like if you get a chance, if you get your druthers, is there anything that you just hop to do? Um, for some, it might be, you know, going out on the lake. For some, it might be fishing. Uh, for some, it might be, for me, it's a movie. Uh, for our kids right now, it's Red Mango. You heard of this place? They have these sample cups. I try not to reuse them, but sometimes I, cha- <laughs> I test my ethics. And I- anyway, I will tell you about the sample cups. But anyway, um, and, and you can get this bowl, and, and if you want, you can put Sour Patch Kids in that bowl. And you can put cherries in that bowl. You can put all sorts of things in that bowl, and Red Mango is great. And right now... Red mango really inspires our kids. See, uh, we, we were trying to go to the doctor and, and think of how we can get some exercise in our routine, and, and we figured out a way. We just put red mango at the end of the exercise. And it seems to be a strong motivator. We're there again where they want to go to red mango because they've just exercised for 12 days, and wow, it's, it's amazing because they're just jumping at the chance to go to red mango. I don't know about you guys. So ice cream, ice cream. Do you know what God is jumping at the chance to do? Like, he's just waiting, like, I just hope I can do this today. Man, it would give me such great delight. I just, I just hope that someone would just come to me so that we can go and start to red mango, but I can do this, and we just read it earlier. What, what is God delighting to do? He craves, he's, he's jumping at the chance to show mercy, to say, though I am a just God, I would love to relent to these people. Just give me a chance. Just give me a chance to let them go, to, to show them my grace. I just, I just want a chance to, to show them mercy. I, I, I got to do it. And, and Micah said, who is a God like you? You delight to show mercy. And that's what we see in our God. And this is the heart of God. Do you know he's jumping at the chance not to condemn the world, but to save the world, which is why he sent his son. Which is why if you're new and hearing this message for the first time, you should know that his mercy is for you. But we have a dilemma. How can God remain completely just where nothing is, is, is okay, where, where every sin is, is paid for? And how can he be merciful at the same time? There's only one answer. It's what we put on our altar. See, it's the cross of Jesus that says God is way more just than you ever thought or figured. It's the cross of Jesus that says no sin is okay. Every sin is punishable. Every sin broke my heart and maybe broke someone else in the process, but every sin needs to be accountable somewhere. And, And instead of making us pay, though, instead of making us pay, he just said, son, you do it for him. And so that's where justice came to be. But from the same place flowed mercy. From the same place I can tell you, you don't have to fear a just God because you have been forgiven through Jesus. You don't have to fear death and hell because you have heaven as your home. You don't have to know if you live in guilt or shame. You live in forgiveness and love all the days of your life as a child of God because he is merciful. That's why we celebrate. That's why the church is the church, because we got mercy 
I was reading a story about mercy. It wasn't about Ryan Lochte. I don't know what happens with him. But uh, I was reading about this king named Manasseh. And uh, King Manasseh, and I'll never get the kings right, but King Manasseh was a bad dude. Let me, let me just show you how bad Manasseh was, if you'll bear with me, permit, permit me. It said, this is King Manasseh, he sacrificed his children in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. He practiced divination and witchcraft, sought omens and consulted mediums and spirits. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger, because again, God is just, right? He doesn't like kids who are hurt. Later it said, they did more evil. This is Jerusalem, all, all those in Judea. Uh, they did more evil than the nations the Lord destroyed before the Israelites. And so I'm reading this story in my personal devotion. I'm like, I'm just waiting for the ending, right? This is not going to go well. In fact, if you were going to put an ending on this, would you do thumbs up or thumbs down? Could you do it with me? What would you say? Yeah, I don't know how this ever goes well. So, so then here's the rest of the story. Uh, a nation attacks and, and, and King Manasseh is punished and he's led away by bronze shackles and he's got a hook in his nose. And it's not a fashion statement, it means he's a prisoner. And he's led away and as he does this, he prays to God. He does whatever he can and look what happens. It says, in his distress he sought the favor of the Lord as God. He humbled himself greatly. I don't know what that was. Maybe it was fasting. I'm not sure. Before God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened. It ended this way for King Manasseh. I don't know if you know, but like, I think he was worse than Hitler. And I'm not trying to say Hitler was a good guy, but I think like Hitler probably didn't do that with his kids, right? But God said, regardless, because I delight to show mercy. And the reality is, if he has mercy on Manasseh, can he have mercy on me? He can. Can he have mercy on you? He can. See, see, God is famous in rewriting people's stories. Your story could be bad for a long time, and I'm not saying you should have an excuse to be bad for a long time, but your story could be bad for a long time, and it takes one moment for God to change it. It takes one moment for you to meet Jesus and say, he's enough to change the course of my life and follow him the rest of the way. That's what he did. And God's specialty is in rewriting stories. He did it with Manasseh. He did it with a guy named Saul, who we know as Paul, who is the chief uh, persecutor who becomes the chief follower. He did it with this town called Nineveh, where everyone was away from God, and, and through Jonah, they all turned to God. It's amazing what he does. He did it for me. I, too, was lost without Jesus. He can do it for you. Dear friends, if you're watching, if you're wondering if God could be merciful, I need to tell you He had you in mind when He sent Jesus so that you might know mercy and love. But I asked you, what's the worth in praying? And I showed you the heart of God so that we'd know who we're going to. But I need to show you something else about God. Are you still with me? You all right? I need to show you something else. And, and I want to talk to parents. Parents, have you ever had this experience where you weren't going to do something, but your kids wanted to do it, and so you did it? You know what I'm talking about? You didn't want to do something, but your kids wanted to do it, and so you did it. Uh, I recently had a daddy-daughter day before uh, school starts up with Nadia. And, and for me, I was digging some hamburgers for lunch. And I wanted to tell her, you know, hamburgers are awesome, and we're going to go get hamburgers. And we passed this place called Panda Express. And she seems to like orange chicken. And fried rice. And so she says, Daddy, Daddy, can we get a Panda Express instead? And what does Daddy do? Because it's a Daddy-Daughter Day. 
wrapped around the finger, right? Want some clothes? Yes, Daddy, clothes. Want some necklace? Yeah, necklace. That's what we do. We, we change our mind all the time for kids, don't we? You know, the, the power they have over us, it's like some wizardry. It's crazy, right? And, and what they can do to sway our emotions, you know? So this principle that children can change the mind of their parents is amazing. Children of God, do you know you can change the mind of a heavenly father? This is maybe the biggest takeaway that struck me about this lesson. Do you know that we don't live fatalistic lives where the story's all played out? Do you know that he bends his will to our requests, whether it be for Red Mango or for other people to know him? He hears and he can actually do something about it. Here's what struck me as I was reading this lesson. I was reading a commentator who said this, God's sovereignty is not blind necessity. It hasn't all played out, my friends. God lets himself be overcome by the prayers of his children. God actually condescends, not in a bad way, to take our prayers into consideration as he rules the world. And he did here. Why in the world aren't we praying more? God, give me ice cream. I'd pray that all the time if it gives me ice cream. God, why aren't we saving more? God, let's, let, let's reach the next generation. God, we pray for our country. God, we pray for our families and our communities. Ha, ha, why aren't we praying right now? I don't even know why we aren't doing this if we can change the mind of our Father. That's how powerful prayer is. But how many times is prayer last resort? Can't do anything else. I guess I'll just pray about it. That's craziness. We can change the mind of our father. There was another case where this happened. Let me tell you about another king. King named Hezekiah. Good king. And, uh, and he was told by Isaiah, you're going to die. Get your things in order. You're going to die. And I'm not sure. I hope that works out my way in my life. Like I would love God to say, you know, send a prophet. You're going to die. And then prepare all things. But he doesn't do that anyway. And, and so he's like, I'm going to die. And so he gets his things in right. And, and then he prays. He does a simple thing called prayer. Right? And, and even though God said, you're going to die. And it's going to be like then. Uh, look what happens. Look what happens. I have heard your prayer. It's amazing. I have seen your tears. Isn't that awesome? Not one of your tears is wasted when you give it to your father. He catches them all. He knows them all. Anyway, behold, I will heal you. The story was going to go another way, but no, now it's a different way just because you did the simple thing we called prayer. That's crazy. And on the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And I'll add 15 years to your life. And this isn't the first time he did this. See, God changed his mind in one other case. Joshua was fighting this battle. And he's like, God, I'd really like some more daylight. And, uh, and so he's like, God, give me some more daylight. And what he did is he stuck the sun in the sky and it didn't move. I don't even know how that works scientifically. But he heard that prayer. And there was a guy named Elisha who encountered a son who had died and a mom who was grieving. And, and Elisha just prays, God, can you raise this son? You know what happens? He's raised, and, and Jesus would come, and he'd come to this funeral recession with Mary and Martha, and he'd pray to his father, and a man named Lazarus would be raised. Dear friends, we can change the mind of our God. Let us continue to use prayer. Let us go to the throne of grace, which we have access to, and say, rewrite the story, Lord. Rewrite the story, of those who don't know you. Rewrite the story of what's going to happen in this country. Rewrite it, Lord. Hear us, Lord. For the sake of your glory and your kingdom and for all to know, rewrite the story, Lord. Hear us. And as we pray, I want to close on three things that, that Abraham teaches us of how to pray. 
The first thing that, that Abraham does is he makes a prayer request based on mercy, not on merit. Look with me again at verse 27. It said, Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. Do you know we have no right to make demands? But because of Jesus, we can make requests all day long. This is based on mercy, not merit. Um, I think this is, should taper our prayer life this way, that we say, on behalf of Jesus, I come to you, and in his name, I come to you. Hear me, not because of who I am, but because of your son who gave me access. The next thing we learn, it's unselfish. It's unselfish. He has nothing to gain besides a, a spoiled nephew who stole some land from him once. He has nothing in it for him. It's completely unselfish. We talked about this last week, if you're here for the state of the church. And we talked about serving together. And we talked about inviting people. And it was in some degree a hard sermon because it was all unselfish. But this is great. How much more often shouldn't we go to God on behalf of others? Not because of our wants, but because of their needs. But the final thing, there was some shameless audacity to it. He said, though I have been so bold to speak, let me speak again. And this kind of reminds me of being on the dance floor. <laughs> I was always a wallflower. Um, but but if, if you're on the dance floor and no one else is dancing and you're, you're trying to bust a move when no one else is, you need some shameless audacity, don't you? I've been there like once in my life, but anyway, and uh, it took audacity, right? And, and you know what audacity is. Audacity is the type of thing, if you're a salesperson, with audacity, you sell that product. And if you're a parent, you stick up for your kids and, and whatever your thing is. And we just need to harness this thing called audacity and use it for the sake of others. And say, God, I have no right to this on my own, but God, I love them so much. You have to hear me. They have to know you. It has to change. Lord, rewrite the story, Lord. Lord, they need you too much, Lord. Lord, hear me. I know you do. Move heaven and earth. Use me if you want to, but move heaven and earth. It has to change, and we should be so bold. There's this parable Jesus told about a persistent widow who just kept pleading, and finally he relented and heard her request. Let's be this, dear friends for the sake of the kingdom. And now as we close, let's close just by praying together. I lead us in prayer. So, Heavenly Father, we come to you on behalf of Jesus and his name. And Lord, I believe the story isn't over for our country. Rewrite it. Rewrite it and make it so we may worship you here safely and spread your gospel. Let this continue to be the epicenter of your activity as Christians faithfully follow you. Lord, rewrite the story of the next generation, that they might turn to you and cling to you with all their hearts. Lord, rewrite the story of many in this community, many in our families that have yet to hear of you. Lord, let your mercy be known and change their eternal path as you have for us. We are so bold and we are so confident because Jesus is our Savior and he has given us access to this throne of grace. In Jesus' name again, amen. Please stand.